If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. It's lovely to have Joanne Verikios back again on Horse Chats, another expert who gives freely her time and advice for people to listen to. Today she's going to talk about 10 questions to ask when selecting a child's pony. How are you, Joanne? I'm really well, thanks, Glennis. How are you? Oh, very good. Yeah. Joanne, this 10 questions to ask when selecting a child's pony, I know that you've got a lot of advice and we've talked before in a previous episode about your book, Winning Horsemanship, A Judge's Secret and Tips for Your Success. But this one about selecting a child's pony sort of gone off in a little bit. And I know you've got lots of experience in a lot of areas in the horse industry, but why did you particularly select this one? I guess, Glennis, it's because it's something I actually get asked a lot Mm -hmm. and there are always parents coming up with children and it's very important. And you mentioned my experience. Well, I also have uh, experience of a little girl who wanted a pony more than anything in the world. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I spent eight years begging for one. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's important to get it right and I think it's equally important to establish whether your child really wants a pony and, you know, how do you know that? How do you know it won't be a phase? Mm. They they will either be like me and carry on with horses for a lifetime or they'll be like my sister who uh, got a pony because I had a pony and her pony turned around one day and bit her on the foot and she never rode it again. Mm. So, you know, uh, if my pony bit me on the foot, I would have concealed that. So in case my parents got rid of the pony, (laughs) you've got to be able to sort out the passion. But basically, I think what's important about it is this is the start uh, of the journey with horses for so many people. Mm. And as a parent, the ones who ask me about it, uh, they want to get it right and they should be looking to select a pony uh, which has the ability to build their child's confidence so that the child can learn and have fun without being afraid and what preferably won't be bitten on the foot either. Yes. Um, so you want of paramount importance, I would say, A, the safety of the child and the parents, especially if they're not horsey parents, and B, the happiness and comfort of the horse or pony in providing quality of service over a long and consistent working life. Mm -hmm. So just to to recap, does your child really want a pony? And the other key, key question that informs all my answers is, what is your child's life worth? Mm, mm, Yes, yes. They're probably two pre-questions to ask before we even get into this 10 questions to ask when selecting a child's pony, aren't they? Yeah, there's a duty of care Mm, in mm. saying any of this, which I take very seriously and I know you do too. Yeah, yeah. All right, you know, I'm really keen to do this because I have seen people who have been very confident, confident keen riders purchase a horse that's not been suitable and then they lose interest, you know, so I've seen that 
and and I think it is it's very important to make sure that not only do they have something that is safe and is going to give them confidence, but one that they're going to enjoy and just keep going with. Yes, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the first question we should ask about the pony is how old is the pony? So can you talk about that, please? Yeah, I think that's critical. And why is it critical? Just in case there are inexperienced people listening, it's because the older a, a pony is, the more of life it's seen, the more experience it's had Mm. and the more likely it is to be level-headed when faced with unfamiliar situations. So my rule of thumb is the younger the child, the older the pony. And as a guide, you know, how old is that? Well, uh, age between 8 and 15 years for the pony, not the child, (laughs) is probably a good range. But I would say don't discount some ponies over 15, even 20, because they often seem to last a bit longer than their bigger counterparts and as I remember when I was at Pony Club, there were plenty of ponies over 20 years old zooming around and doing a great job because, let's face it, um, a child isn't very heavy and Pony Club uh, work is uh, short, sharp and terrific, but it's not a constant wear and tear kind of proposition um, such as some horses are subjected to. So they're the the two basic things. And then there are a couple of other considerations about age, Um, unless you had a comment there, Glenys. No, no, I like that. The younger the child, the older the pony. So keep going. Yep. It's important to ask what age the pony was when they were broken in. Yes. If they were broken in at a normal kind of age, which is, you know, between three and five, say, that's fine. If they came in off a station or off the range or something and they were older, then they might not be suitable for a beginner even though they're in the age range because they don't have that many miles under their girth as a riding horse. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. And then the other thing is how do they carry their age? Are they a young 20 or a a very old 12? Mm. So there's, you know, all sorts of things in between and I would stress, I guess, that people don't just take this list or this podcast and go and look at horses that they do get um, a knowledgeable person to to go with them or advise them. Yes, I think this is this is the list to start to look, isn't it? But then before making the decision to ask yes. someone a little bit more knowledgeable. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, one last thing: with yep. age, you can expect a bit of wear and tear as well. Yes, uh, a few scars and lumps and bumps, and as long as they don't affect the usability of the pony, they're not a big deal. Good. Good. All right, the next one we've got is how big the pony. This is number two. How big is the pony? Yes, on bigness or size, we are talking about two things actually, height and and build. And I suppose if you think about build more in terms of width, especially for very young children, a narrow-built pony can be easier for them to sit on than a roly-poly round pony. But um, it's better to get a pony that's a little bit on the big side, in my opinion, because you don't want your child to grow out of it too soon and then you've got to make this heartbroken transition to something bigger. Um, Just more by luck than management, I think my first pony was a five-year-old mare. She was 12 three-hands high and I got her when I was nine and rode her exclusively till I was about 13. So, you know, a fair 
a fair few years. And then my second pony was three years old, 14 hands, so younger, bigger. I was much better rider by then. And I got him at about 14. And then I kept them both going, because actually, Glennis, I never grew out of ponies. <laughs> I started breeding warm bloods, but I could still ride a 12-hand pony and not look big. Yes. But um, both those ponies died at home of old age, so we, we kept them mm-hmm. and looked after them into their their old age. Yeah. Uh, so growing out is an issue. So I think height for a child's pony, between about 11 hands and even up to 16 hands, which isn't a pony, of course, it's a horse, but some children are quite tall and, you know, beginners come in all shapes and ages as well. Um, A bigger horse, a bigger pony can be a bit smoother to ride Mm -hmm. as well, Mm -hmm. longer movement. And a smaller child can ride a taller pony than is strictly suitable for them, but a very tall child really can't ride uh, a Shetland or something like that because their feet are going to be on the ground. So if you're looking for a pony for a couple of children to share or a family to share, then get one big enough for the largest rider to grow into. And on that score, I've got nothing against miniatures, but I don't think they're a great choice for someone wanting to learn to ride and go on with simply because they are of limited size, limited weight bearing, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, yes. They're very cute, but they can't hold much weight, can they? No. All right. Now the next one, the temperament and the manners. Uh, basically, you want a great temperament and well, uh, a well-mannered horse. And the first one is is inbred, inborn, uh, an innate thing. But the second one is training and um, and lessons. So they're both important. You need a good temperament to start with, I think, and. Uh, you can teach some manners, but in a beginner's pony, you want them both mannerly and kind, kind. And I would say very quiet. Uh, and for a first child, a first pony, sorry, not a first child, preferably bomb-proof, both on the ground and ridden. And you know, bomb-proof is a subjective thing, but I think most people know what what that means. Yep, yep. Now, to do with the temperament, there any particular breed? Uh, most ponies actually are pretty, pretty good mm-hmm. and quite um, quite tolerant. Pony, all horses and ponies tend to understand when uh, they're faced with a, a young animal, whether it's a child or a puppy or a kitten or something, and they're much more tolerant than they would be of someone who, in their opinion, perhaps should know better. Uh, uh, on, it's not really a temperament thing, but I would say for a child's pony, a mare or a gelding. And absolutely no stallions or rigs, no matter what. Sure. I, I know there are exceptions and, you know, children ride stallions, but this is um, my contribution to this podcast and yeah. I, I would not go there. Uh, we talked about duty of care before. And also no ex-racehorses, even mm-hmm. small ones. Again, yeah. there's a vendor duty of care there and uh, also ours. But, you know, that said, no horse or pony is perfect. So... If you've got to compromise, then I would compromise on things like price, age or size, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't compromise on safety. Yep, yep. What about experience and training? This is point number four. Yeah, it kind of flows on and it flows on from age. So mm-hmm. if it's to be a riding pony, you want it experienced under saddle. You don't want it to be girthy. You don't want it to 
buck or pig root or anything under you know normal conditions. So well-trained and safe and preferably, especially if the family who are going to be acquiring the pony are inexperienced, it's good if the pony is experienced on the lounge or maybe even in harness that can have a civilising effect on them. Mm-hmm. And preferably ex-pony club or adult riding club, um, ex-riding school even, retired dressage horse or schoolmaster, as I said before, one with some miles uh, under the girth and the best um, best way to find these, they're like quite rare and valuable creatures, but the best way to find them is through word of mouth and networks like Pony Club. Yes, yeah, and maybe one that someone else has grown out of. Exactly. That's mm. the perfect scenario. And um, then especially if you know the family and, and how it's been and maybe have even seen it at Pony Club or whatever, yeah. it's uh, a good introduction. Okay. Now what about number five? We've got health and soundness. Yes, and that covers a world of interesting issues. Mm-hmm. Ponies are generally pretty tough and sound and robust and easy to keep, probably more so than, than horses who can be more highly strung, some of the breeds. But I would say uh, podcast is headed questions to ask. So ask the vendor about any current illnesses, any recent illnesses, any unsoundness, history of veterinary problems because they need to disclose these to you. And if a horse has had something and recovered, well, it needn't be a big deal. But if it's a chronic issue like has laminitis every spring or something, Mm. this is a very good thing to know about because it's going to cause the pony pain but also mean that your child is without a pony to ride and then there's the associated costs of vet bills and things. So I would say you want it to be serviceably sound, healthy, sturdy, most of them are good doers, so easy to feed. It's a good idea, depending on price, but especially if the asking price is high, to get an independent vet check, uh, Glenis. Mm-hmm. You yep. wouldn't. You need the pony to be checked to see if it's blind, because some of them compensate very well, or you know, might being blind in one eye isn't necessarily a big deal, but being blind or limited sight in both eyes is a problem. Uh, you don't want it to be lame or unsound in any way. You'd have the teeth checked. You'd make sure the worming's up to date, vaccinations are up to date, all that sort of thing. Yeah. And we talked a little bit before about experience and training, but you've got here now vices and bad habits. And I was just thinking about that pony that bit your sister on the foot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I don't know what my sister might have done to invite the bite on the foot because (laughs) you can't discount the fact that an inexperienced child does the wrong thing. However... A well-mannered pony really has no excuse for turning around and biting someone on the foot. So I'm very intolerant of bad habits on the part of beginner's ponies, and I would say you do not want it to have any vices, such as biting, nipping, kicking, crib biting, wind-sucking, weaving, rearing, bucking, pig-rooting, etc. You want it to keep all its feet on the ground unless you're asking it to move or jump and keep its mouth to itself. So the rule there is you may touch the pony's mouth, but it should not be touching you with its mouth in any kind of unpleasant way. Mm -hmm. And the other vices I mentioned, um, stable vices and what have you, they um, are just things like wind sucking and unsoundness and should be disclosed anyway. Okay. Okay, good. 
All right. Now the next one, we've got easy to handle and ride. And you did talk about sometimes some of your clients are people from non-horsey families. So not only is the child getting their first pony and a child's first pony in an experienced horse household is one thing, but a child's first pony with inexperienced parents is totally another, isn't it? Yes. Mm. Yes. And uh, the pony needs to be easy to catch and lead and groom and shoe and trim and put on a float. And, of course, the seller can often demonstrate all of this to you very well because the pony's in the home environment and the seller is probably an experienced horse person or at least experienced with that pony. So this is where another of my points comes in about availability for a trial. But you would want, if you can only see the pony at its home premises, Ask if it can be turned loose and your child can try catching it and mm-hmm. rushing it and picking up feet. And and this also gives you and the child an instant lesson, you the parent, I mean, in uh, how to handle a pony, what it's used to, that sort of thing. So, yes, exactly. You want an inexperienced parent to be able to do anything the child can do and both of you to be able to do what the, the seller can do with the, the pony within reason. Yeah, yeah. All right, now point number eight, you've talked about the attitude to other horses, farm animals, dogs, cats, etc. What could go wrong there if they didn't have a good attitude to the other horses and farm animals? Yes, that's a good way of looking at it. So if it's not civilised with other horses or socialised with other horses, you won't be very popular at an adjustment paddock, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps. And also it will make life less pleasant for your child because at pony club or on trail rides or just going out for a ride with a friend, you don't want your pony to be constantly trying to bite the horse next to it or kick the horse next to it or equally disturbing being terrified of being kicked or bitten Mm. by by next to it and skittering away. And the other thing that can go wrong is if your pet dog or pet cat goes into the yard where the pony is, you don't want the pony to suddenly turn into a a rampaging animal trying to (laughs) get rid of that predator. And you don't want it to freak out by seeing an alpaca or a a cow or a goat or or other farm animals either. So the more life experience the ponies had, and as I said before, most of them are pretty adaptable and will quickly learn these things, but it's good to ask the seller, have they ever seen an alpaca if you know you've got one living next to you or if you've that sort of thing because Mm. you can then be prepared that it might be a novel experience and the pony might need a bit of adjustment. Yes, yes, yes. And they do worry about smells from other animals, don't they? I can remember teaching one time at Pony Club and a circus pulled up and there was an elephant there and a couple of the ponies weren't very happy at all. Yes, and I've heard of uh, a horse bolting because it saw a camel and even when it was in the float going home from the show where it had seen the camel, it was looking in terror over its shoulder. (laughs) Where is the camel? Yes, It must have still had camel in its nostrils. Mm -hmm. And another one, I I had sold a pony that used to float very easy. When we say float, we mean, you know, trailer going into a lorry or a truck. Um, very good. It was always very good. And um, I'd sold the pony, everything was fine, wouldn't load and didn't know what was going on, you know. And then there was an old horseman and he said, uh, you know, they've got goat manure in that float, don't you? You know, so that's what it was. It was the smell of the goat manure and all of a sudden the horse who would normally load very easy just didn't want to go in at all. 
Yes, isn't that interesting? Mm. And just so logical when you notice that the goat manure is there. Yes, And a bit of horse manure can probably uh, set the the (laughs) horse's mind at rest. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's number eight. What have we got for number nine? You've got available for trial. You already talked a little bit about it, but would you like to go on and talk a bit more? Sure. It's really great if the horse is available for trial because you can take it to your place, you can test it out with your child, you can see if everything works if they get on. Uh, But a lot of people, especially those who, who value their horses and ponies and don't want them, you know, messed around, especially by inexperienced people who might inadvertently do the wrong thing and upset their training in some way or or their health even. Uh, some people won't allow them out for trial and I respect that. It's great if you can do it. And uh, I have a story personally, my first pony, Beauty, was given to us on trial. I mean, my parents were going to buy her, but the fellow selling her said, now, don't tell Joanne that this is for her. Tell her that it's my pony and she can borrow her for a while. And, mm-hmm. and I, of course, saw straight through that and I knew that this was my pony and she was always going to be my pony and she was never going back to the vendor. Yes. So uh, I don't know. I think it depends a little bit on the, the child as well and their, their psyche. I think a trial where they love a pony and then it's sent back could be disappointing too so you know there's pros and cons but if you do have a horse on trial uh, my recommendation in this day and age is that you have some kind of contract uh, pre-purchase trial and lease documentation which you know is quite simple to draw up but um, can help protect both parties just how you know what's the current status of the horse and its health or pony and its health and maybe even take some photos, here it is on arrival, and then um, you know it should, of course, go back in the same condition. Yes. Or better yes. condition. Yep, yep. All right, the last one we've got is number 10 is the asking price. Yes, it's deliberately last because I think all the other things are more important. However, the cost of acquisition shouldn't exceed your budget, so there's no need to go crazy, keep looking. But the other thing is it's not just the purchase price. And anyone who's ever owned a horse knows this, but for people who are embarking on their first horse, they need to realise there is also an outlay for a saddle, for a bridle, for a halter, brushes, rugs, etc. And then ongoing things like seed, farrier, hoof trims, uh, teeth and uh, teeth um, management, dental management, and various veterinary costs both routine in terms of vaccination, worming, fecal egg counts, and then possibly, heaven forbid, but uh, possibly injuries and things like that to manage. Yes, yes. And I think that's an important consideration because if you haven't got the money at your sleeve for those things, you know, maybe regular lessons until you're ready is probably a better option. Exactly. And that is a really good option. And that then means that the young person can possibly manage a a pony that isn't quite the perfect, you know, as beginner's pony. Mm. They can deal with, you know, a few extra things. They're better able to get on by themselves, all sorts of things like that. Yeah, yeah. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. 
All right, Joanne, can we just run through those just in case people have missed the points? If you could just basically go through point number one and briefly speak about that. Okay. So number one was how old is the pony? And the key issue is the younger the child, the older the pony should be. My recommended age range would be starting at eight years old for the pony. Now, my first pony was five and that worked out. So, you know, there's always pluses and minuses and don't discount even older ponies. But uh, make sure that they have some experience under saddle, that they're not just old because no one rode them for 20 years. Yes. Number two, how big is the pony? Number two is height and build and Height is, if in doubt, go for a bigger pony that the child can grow into or that suits the oldest or largest child in the family. And don't get one that's too small even for quite a young or small child because they will grow into it and you don't want them to grow out of it too quickly. Uh, Also, a narrower build is easier for young children or short-legged children to ride. A medium build is like ideal. It's the the Goldilocks porridge pony. (laughs) But uh, if everything else is great, then a wide build is fine. You can can learn to ride pretty much anything. You see children riding draft horses. So don't put off by build. (laughs) Temperament and manners is number three. Yes. Um, That's paramount. Good temperament and good manners are really, really important. And the more bomb-proof the pony or a horse, the better. Okay. Number four is experience and training. Yeah. Uh, So you want the pony to have some experience in what you want it to do. So if it's a riding pony, experienced under saddle. If it's been to pony club or been used um, in a riding club of some description, that's great because it will have had experience in um, different riders as well and know what to expect. So... Uh, some experience on the lunge and that sort of thing or in harness is also useful. Good. The health and soundness of the pony. Yes. You want it to be functionally sound and, as I said, under age in the, the initial interview, some wear and tear is is quite acceptable uh, because for a beginner's pony you're not expecting them to, you know, win a, a hacking class or that sort of thing. So some um, lumps and bumps and scars are okay. Being very hairy is okay. Uh, what's more important is that the horse's senses, the pony's senses are, are good so he or she can see is not lame, doesn't have a chronic uh, problem like laminitis. Uh, ulcers and things like that are very are not so common in ponies as in horses. So, But a vet check can really be helpful there if your budget will stretch to it and if you're paying a lot of money. But ask the owners about their health and their history. All right. Now, number six was the vices or bad habits. Basically, uh, I have zero tolerance to vices and bad habits in a child's pony. So you don't want them to bite, to nip, to kick, and you really don't want them to uh, do any other things that either affect their soundness or their usefulness or their acceptability in an adjustment yard. You don't want them to teach other horses to crib bite and wind suck, for instance. And certainly, you know, rearing is very, very dangerous. Bucking is very, very dangerous. As I said at the outset, you need to ask yourself what 
what is my child's life worth? Because let's face it, you know, accidents can happen and a helmet and lessons will only go so far. So the more you can reduce the probability of anything going wrong by buying the right pony, the better. Okay. All right. Now you've got one that's uh, number seven. We had a easy to handle and ride. Yes, you want the horse or pony to be easy to do all the basics with catch, lead, groom, shoe, trim, put on a float, saddle up, bridle, unsaddle, unbridle, and not just by an experienced adult. You want your child to be able to do it, and you also want, if you're an inexperienced adult, um, to be able to do it as well if you need to step in and help. Yes. All right. Now, the attitude to other horses, farm animals, dogs, cats. Your child will have a much nicer experience riding out with others if your pony gets on well with other horses and isn't either afraid of them or aggressive towards them. Mm -hmm. And your family will have greater harmony if the pony doesn't chase their dog or the cat. (laughs) And everyone will be better off and safer if there is no great fear of other animals like Um, cattle, goats, alpacas, camels. If you have something like that living in your neighbourhood, perhaps ask the vendor how they think the pony would go when they saw it. (laughs) All right. Now, um, if the horse is available for a trial or a pony's available for a trial, just a bit of a summary there. A great situation because you get to try before you buy It may not be possible because the vendor may have reservations or perhaps the distance is too great to ship the pony to your place and back again if it doesn't work out. Um, It can be really good for the the child, but can also be a wrench for the child if the pony isn't suitable and has to go back. That may be difficult for a, a child to understand. But in any event, if you do take one on trial, I'd recommend getting some documentation around mutual expectations there. All right. And the last thing was the asking price. Yes. Last but not least, um, not the most important thing, but obviously subject to your budget, it can be a very important thing. But the cost of actually buying um, the pony is only the start because you need um, equipment for him or her and feed and other care items and services. Yeah. All right. Now, you know, this was just a list to get started, but um, to talk to people and get an experienced horse person around. And I know that you do this to a lot of people and, and go and look at their ponies. And you also offer an online service for people who don't live in your area. So can you talk a little bit about that and maybe the website just to let people know that's available and also talk about your contact details? Okay, thank you. Uh, Yes, I actually was inspired by um, the lead-up to this podcast, so thank you for (laughs) that, to say, well, it's all very well to be able to get a person in in person to come with you. But if you can't, or if you want a second or a third opinion, it would be great to have an inexpensive service where, uh, so how mine works uh, is that if you're interested in doing it, it's um, a nominal price, $50. And I will send you basically an educational exam paper that you then complete on behalf of your prospective horse and pony, which will answer some of these questions, means you communicating with the vendor. And also, uh, ideally, a video, but at least some photographs. 
and then I will evaluate what I see and you know, within the limitations of not being able to actually go and see and ride and touch the pony, give you some recommendations and a, a actually pretty comprehensive report on what I observe and what might be further things to explore or the, the suitability of the horse or pony. So it's not just uh, related to beginner's ponies. It could be any kind of competition horse or um, another of my specialties is breeding warm blood, so a breeding prospect as well. Mm-hmm. So a whole different set of different but similar criteria yep. there. And that $50, that's Australian, isn't it, which often is about, what, two-thirds US, depending on the day? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm not sure what it would be in US, yeah, but yeah. currency but, calculate, I think, yeah, I, I think yeah. Well, I think what you offered, you know, it's available anywhere in the world, so they can all jump on the website. What's the best way to contact you then? They can. Well, the website is www.winninghorsemanship, all one word, winninghorsemanship.com, and then the pre-purchase exam is under a tab called services, so forward slash services. My email is horsemanship at internet, and uh, that's probably enough people can telephone me mm-hmm. if they want. The Australian number is plus six one uh, four five seven six eight one double nine eight. So if you're in Australia, zero four five seven six eight one double nine eight. All right, and that email, I presume, is going to be on your website anyway, and uh, it'll also be on horsechats, horsechats.com slash Joanne Verikios, Joanne Verikios 2, either one of those. The contact details will be on that. Or just go to horsechats.com, search for Joanne. Fabulous, thank you. All right, thanks, Joanne, very much for coming and taking the time to give us that information today. You know, if people are listening, if people are even thinking about, even experienced people thinking, right, I'm, I've been asked to go and look for a pony for someone or going to look at a pony, it's a good checklist to go through and just sort of, as you say, it's, it's the experienced horse person that really needs to read between the lines, but it's a good checklist to start with. So thanks for that and uh, hopefully we'll see you again sometime soon. Thank you and I hope it was useful and it's always a pleasure. Thanks, Glennis. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.